I wrote this. I purposely wrote this an hour ago because I wanted it to be shitty. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I want to inspire other people to do this because this, this experience was so powerful and I was really emotional. So when I'm reading, so you know, I, I read slower, but it also will stop me from crying. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to cry when I was reading it to Kurt. I was like, oh my God. And he's like, how are you going to not cry? And I'm like, I just had to read slow. And if I cry, guess what? It's okay. Well, part of, I call it the watering. The Let watering. Wa- water yourself because we don't water ourselves enough. Mm. We water ourselves a little bit more. Perhaps we would not have all of the, um, the um, what I call stank funk energy. <laughs> Stank funk Stank energy. Stank funk energy. You gotta wash. I, got, I, I have a lot of words. I got a lot of words. I use. I even use these with my clients when I'm doing team building. I say, okay, we're gonna give each other some stank funk feedback, and they all crack up. I mm-hmm. say, you know what that feedback is, mm-hmm. but we're gonna do it out of love because yeah. we're gonna care about each other. So, what's that stank fat? You know that stank funk feedback that you've been afraid to say. So a lot of what I do as a storytelling facilitator, it's not like storytelling performing. Mm-hmm. That's what I, not what I do, although people say, oh, I like the way you read. Um, thank you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's about facilitating people and telling their story. Mm. Well, you did that for me, girl, because mm-hmm. I, okay, let's get started. Hi, I'm Tony Hernandez, CEO and founder of Leading Ladies 904. I'm a runner and yogi, culture engineer, and leadership trainer. I am madly and wildly in love with people who disrupt the status quo. People who are comfortable with being uncomfortable and uncomfortable with mediocrity. And because these are my favorite kind of people who light my soul on fire, I want to bring their stories to you. You have tuned into What's Your Extraordinary with Tony Hernandez, a part of the Essential Culture Podcast Network. My goal is to take us on an inspiring journey into the minds of remarkable people. We explore the extra gene, or what I like to call the e-code. Why do some people have both the ability and drive to pursue and or create what others deem impossible? So whether you're on a run, listening in, or on your daily commute, or maybe just disconnecting from all the noise, I hope that this 30-minute dose of inspiration influences you to ask yourself, what's my extraordinary? An extraordinary, extraordinary guest today. Um, she's a storyteller. She's a storyteller facilitator. A storytelling facilitator. Um, and she said something that really struck a chord with me earlier this week. She talked about a shitty draft. I had the great pleasure of interviewing her a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, and I had asked her, you know. What do you want your impact to be before you die? What do you want to be remembered for? And she said, I want to see every woman explore writing her personal story. And any woman who wants to put her story out in the world, I want to help her find the rhythm of her authentic voice and release her words into the world. And she said, we need to hear from more women on every topic. So here is my attempt to a shitty draft because Yvette Hyder Adams has inspired me to do so. I was born to an incredible woman who taught herself how to read and write. To a respectful and dedicated man who went to his deathbed never having learned how to drive. They gifted me six siblings. 
four sisters and twin brothers. They are my best friends. Despite my parents' lack of education, they were champions for what I know to be true, that education is the great equalizer. We are all successful by society standards. More importantly, we are rich in culture. I think I became fluent in English at the vulnerable age of 12. Kids made fun of me because I spoke broken. I am bilingual, thanks to parents who raised us to be proud of our Puerto Rican heritage. My sister Judy, the oldest, was born mentally challenged. She was only to live to be 10 and died at 50. She lived that long because of love. She was small but fierce and taught me how to be and taught me to be kind, no exceptions. The two most spiritual experiences in my life were seeing the birth of my nephew, Edmundo Christian Saldana, come into this world. I have to tell you that what absolutely grossed me out about that experience was when the placenta hit my arm. The other life-altering moment was recent. Sitting at the top of a mountain, a place called Sunset Rock, waiting for the sun to make its incredible disappearance, when a mama bear and her cubs appeared out of nowhere. In both instances, the sound of the palpitation of my heart against my chest was deafening. They made me see the world a little more different. They made me want to leave this shared planet a little better. Michael Jackson's song, Dirty Diana, makes me move my body in an appro- in appropriately inappropriate ways. Van Morrison's, you give me love, 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 crazy love, makes my heart big and takes me back to a dance floor in Viejo San Juan with my favorite groom in the whole world. The two most heart-wrenching memories of this lifetime was stoically driving behind the hearse that carried the lifeless body of my mother. I will never miss her less. I just miss her less often. The other was catching a red eye from Vancouver, Canada, right to a doctor's office, only to hear that my fetus had no heartbeat. We don't talk enough about death, whether it be an aging parent or miscarriages. I am married to my soulmate, a man who by definition has become a symbol of hate in our country. He is a Caucasian police officer. He does the right thing even when no one's watching. He is the epitome of integrity, treats everyone with respect, and does not deny the racial disparities that exist in the world. He fights to make the world better and risks his life doing so. He holds everyone accountable, especially himself and me. My African-American niece and nephews, I fight for them every day. I love them. I believe that black lives matter and that most police are good. It doesn't have to be either or. I question tradition. I was born Antonia Hernandez and I promise to die a better version of, well, Antonia Hernandez. There is no judgment for those who choose to change their name. I only urge you to think about why we do what we do and does it align with your soul. 
some random shit. I love humanity and I'm madly in love with human connection. It's becoming a lost art. I won't let it. I feed the homeless. Why? Because I believe that it can be any one of us. My dogs, Guy and Bo, gave me a glimpse to motherhood. My girlfriends keep me grounded and popping bottles of wine. I feel most free when I run. My best ideas come to me when the sweat drips down my back. I am a book nerd. I love visionaries, and I love badass women. And I've got a badass woman in studio today. She is, I said she's a storytelling facilitator. She's a truth teller. She's a poet. She's a mentor. She is the principal of Narratives for Change. I am so excited to have Yvette in studio with us today. Welcome, Yvette. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for inspiring me mm-hmm. to write that. Um, I attended Yellow House this past week. A beautiful, beautiful um, experience called Voices Unearthed. And um, I heard you talk about shitty drafts. So let's talk about that. Let's start there. <laughs> yes, I, I like to attribute that to uh, Anne Lamont and her um, book, Bird by Bird. One of my favorites. <laughs> and she writes the importance of creating a first shitty draft or crappy draft is the PG version. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm teaching young people in middle school, I use crappy draft, but it, it goes uh, across age groups. Uh, in order to get whatever is in you out on the page and to have something to work with to shape the beginning of, uh, sometimes writers sit around and wait for the muse to hit them and they go, ah, you know, oh, I can write something, but I got to be in the right mood or the muse has to hit me. Mm. Well, you know, when you have a regular writing practice, uh, and most writers do, uh, the muse may not come visit you that day, mm-hmm. but you still have to write. So no matter what, I sit down with a button chair and I start to move my pen to paper because I always like to write by hand first and as I um, go through my revisions I, I put it on my um, my iPad and that's the beginning of a first crappy draft <laughs> of a first crappy draft yes. we're gonna keep it PG we're not we're not gonna keep you PG <laughs> no, no we'll go back and forth <laughs> so um, you know I, I titled this show um, SVP to MVP or I should say from SVP to MVP and I that that title came to me when I was sitting at Yellow House, which, by the way, if you have not been, you have to. Um, the best way for me to describe the space is that it feels like home. You rose to corporate success. Mm-hmm. You have held titles. Uh, let's see here. You were CEO at Prime Directive. You were president of NTL Institute of Applied Behavioral Science. You were senior vice president of Change Management Strategies. And what I heard you say was that um, you you were ready to leave that to really tap into something that was 
pulling you in the direction of art and creativity and writing. And in fact, you, you made a really powerful statement that I shared on Facebook, and I can't think verbatim what it was, but it was something to the effect of, if I'm not creating, I'm not breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you're, and so why did I call it SVP to MVP is because what I'm, my understanding or the, what I felt or my, my experience of hearing you speak was that you want to inspire each of us to find the MVP within us, each of us to find the MVP within us. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that change like to leave sort of that environment and then, you know, uh, launch narratives for change? Mm-hmm. Well, it was quite easy. I actually launched um, Prime Directive first. Uh, after having a corporate life, uh, I guess I was in corporate America about uh, 15 years or so, probably more, because I started out very early in life, like when I was three years old, I was in corporate America. Like three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't want to give my dates away. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I I have been a leader and a manager since I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, believe it or not. I was a training manager, um, you know, in retail. And then I grew into banking and banking. Uh, was a space where I really accelerated pretty fast going um, through about three different banks. But the long and short of it is, is that by the time I was 30, 32 years old, I was an executive um, uh, doing some really powerful work in uh, culture change Mm. within institutions. And all along, I had been creating new departments, new businesses. Um, people hired me, whether I was in retail or in banking. Can to I ask create. you like about what like what year? Because you know, you yeah. were ahead of the curve. Oh, absolutely. I mean this was all in the eighties, early eighties. Mm. So in the early eighties, you know, I was being hired to come and can you start up, you know, a a, a program that develops leaders and managers. Um, we don't have anything. We have a training program for employees, but we want something you know, that focuses on the leadership. So not only did I create that, I established employee relations and, you know, notice they didn't have a real good recruitment process and strengthen their HR department. Uh, that was at one of the banks I was at, Horizon Financial. And then the uh, I was hired away to, uh, to start up something new when I was at New Jersey National Bank and then the same thing at Core States Bank. So uh, one of the things that I was known for was to take a blank sheet of paper and say, imagine what you want and I'll create it for you. Mm. And that, for me, was because of the fact that I was an artist and musician before I even walked into the doors of corporate America. I mean, I was a guitarist and a teaching artist. I I taught at several different music studios. And um, that was my passion, the music. And then when I just, you know, for a variety of uh, reasons, um, stopped performing and uh, stopped teaching, I really didn't know what I was going to do. So for me, the work... And corporate America was just space to take up until I figured out what I was going to do. When I think about like what you were doing and mm-hmm. then what you're doing now, um, you know, I can't help but to think that people just want to be seen, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's in a corporate environment, sure. Um, which is, you know, just asking somebody to write their story. It's like, you want to be seen. Like, I want to know you. I want to know those things that don't typically come up in conversation, right? Um 
was it an easy transition? Would you say it was an easy transition or was there some... Right, going from um, from corporate America to an entrepreneur? Yeah. Well, because I had been a music, uh, a musician, that's entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get your own business. You have to do all these things. So I had already, my first job was as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So by the time I re-upped <laughs> into entrepreneurship, and that was in my mid-30s, uh, when I launched Prime Directive Consulting, um, how I did it was was in partnership with a bank. I I made a case for creating a separate line of business for the bank that was profitable with an internal consulting group that I managed. Mm. So I said, instead of just delivering services for us, why don't we also deliver services to our corporate customers? And I made the case for that. And launched launched it off as a separate business in partnership with the bank. So my launching of that business, you know, I had to sell it before the board of directors had to be approved. We had to go through the Fed to have it approved and everything. It was a big deal back Mm. then in the 80s. And um, doing that was like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. I could actually get this done. And we... Um, ran that business. I had a, a really strong team of five people plus a consulting pool of about 20, 25 people. So it was a small boutique consulting firm, but we had a very thriving and profitable, bus- profitable business for about 15 years. And when I decided um, five years ago that I was going to move to Florida, I decided I did not want to continue that business when I moved to Florida. You know, I, I feel like I have a special connection with you. Uh, not just because of our Philly roots, um, <laughs> but I think it's just the work that you do. I just, mm-hmm. I, I really believe that we can, in fact, I believe that as business owners have a responsibility to make a work environment rich and mm-hmm. a learning space. And, uh, you know, right. um, these people, these, you know, people who are helping you build your dream. Right. We, we can leave them better off as a result of having them work for us, you know. Right. So let's shift yeah. Let's shift over to Narratives for Change. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, like the mission. And- yeah, yeah. Well, Narratives for Change has always been about, you know, looking at the core of my creative work. You know, when I sat down and I moved to Florida and I said, okay, now I'm going to be a solo independent practitioner, (laughs) you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to be running the firm, you know, I'm not going to, you know, have assistants and offices and all the other cool stuff. So what is it that I want to do? And it's really taken me, you know, a few years to really um, fine tune it. And so where I really got to were the things that I love the most. And that was um, storytelling. And I don't mean storytelling for performing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I am a person that can tell a great story when I get up in front of people. But I mean, helping myself and other people tell their story. So what's that process to facilitate a person to tell their story? And this was something I had gone back some maybe 10, 15 years ago to, to grad school to really focus on using um story, you know, creative writing for personal and social action is really what I studied at Goddard College in Vermont for my uh, graduate work. And so I wanted to really bring that alive um, on a day to day. So I found myself um, mentoring a lot of young people when I Mm -hmm. came to Jacksonville area. I love mentoring. I've always mentored um, women. 
I also wanted to mentor girls when I met Donna Orinder from mm-hmm. uh, Gen Wow. Yes. Gen W and Gen Wow. You know that that's actually the I, I've seen you I, I've seen you speak. Yeah. Okay. I've um, been inspired to you from afar, mm-hmm. and that was the first time that I was in a circle right, with you, right. uh, with the Gen Wow girls. That's right, Gen Wow from girls. Andrew Jackson. Shout right. out to Andrew Jackson. Right. And that was really that was a special moment for you. For me to mm-hmm. see you in that space and see the work that you can do in such a short amount of time. Doesn't take a lot of time. And and the big part of it is creating safe space. And how we do that is to um, honor that every girl in that case, or I work with women. I, I lead creative writing workshops for women here in Jacksonville area. Create a space where your story is important. We're going to treat everything and honor everything Mm -hmm. that you say is precious. And so when we give each other that kind of respect and the way we give each other feedback is through affirmation. What really worked in that story Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to support girls and women's voices and saying what's right with you. Yeah, Yvette, I wish that more people got that feedback is a gift. It is such a gift. It, it is. It, 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 when someone gives me feedback, it tells me this person cares about me mm-hmm. and my journey and my leadership and mm-hmm. the work that I do because they, they've taken the time to say, look, this is what you're doing great and this is what you could do better. Right. And, you know, we don't do that with each other a lot, particularly women of color do not mm-hmm. receive feedback, even on their jobs. <laughs> even when I was a senior vice president and my boss was the CEO, I said, tell me, how can I improve? Was that he, he, he had a hard time giving me feedback. Yeah. And so I, we joke about it now because we're still friends. But I used to go with him. I said, you know, if I, I used to tell him, I said, on a scale of one to seven, with seven being the highest, how would you, where would you put me on this line, on this scale, on this scale? I mean, it was like pulling teeth. You were making it easy for them. I really, <laughs> because I couldn't get the feedback. And what's important, and I tell this even um, when I'm with my clients, because most of my clients are women-led, women who lead teams or women-led organizations. I, I really focus on women-led work. That is mm-hmm. part of the uh, mission of um, Narratives for Change. And, and, and so... What I say about feedback is, I said, don't waste your time giving feedback to a person that you just want to tell them how you feel about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because feedback is really something that you give someone that you care about and you love. Yeah. I said, and I'm used to word love. And I said, if you do this, you're invested. I said, but if you just want to tell somebody how you feel and you open up your mouth with, let me give you some feedback. It's not really feedback. Actually, yeah, it's usually when it's something that is when you're moving in a direction with love, you don't actually have to say I have feedback for you, right? Right, right. Listen, I want to I want to talk to you about a couple of things. It doesn't have to be like, you know, it becomes the F word. (laughs) Or, or, you know, or what I also (laughs) say to folks is, is that when you want to give feedback, you ask permission because a person may not be able to hear you right now. Mm -hmm. So I always ask, I just, is it okay? Okay, if I give you a piece of feedback and people, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And for me, the feedback is always what's really working well. Mm-hmm. And if it's constructive feedback, I usually speak, again, I use a lot of appreciative inquiry language in what I do, strength based um, language and strength based um, feedback, is I talk about here are three wishes I have, you know, for you to take this to the next level. 
So the wishes become, you know, things I would want to see you doing versus saying what you're not doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's what you do really well. My three wishes is that how can you take that and incorporate it in X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So then that way you are really constructive around lifting a person up and not tearing them down. Um, we're going to come back to feedback because I'd love some feedback. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to ask you to share feedback with me mm-hmm. on my first shitty dra- mm-hmm. draft. Um, before before I, we go there, you just talked about mentees. You have, well, at Yellow House, you had a mentee there. I can't imagine you have hundreds of mentees probably. I okay. Do. <laughs> um, who's your mentor? Because I, I'm a mm-hmm. believer that we, we, we have a responsibility to do both. Mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to, to, to take a younger person. And sometimes I've had older person ask me, mm-hmm. can you be my mentor? And it's, mm-hmm. it really is an honor. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically I, I think mm-hmm. that younger girls will ask me to be their mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important that we also have mentors. So who's your mentor? I, I when I, people ask me that question and I always answer, I, I, did not have a mentor. Like I didn't have a person, yeah. you know, I've had several people in my life um, who have shown up for me at different points in my life and who I could say um, were coaches, were guides, were mentors. And so I've had multiple people. I will call them more like uh, uh personal board of directors. That's how I've used them. So do I. That's awesome. Um, These are people who have given me guidance. Um, Again, you know, if we want to put, when I think about a mentor, I just think of someone with a deep, you know, deep relationship. Now, when I was in core states, Terry Larson was my mentor. He started off as my mentor Mm -hmm. before I even, you know, became a direct report of his. And he has continued to be in my life. If I need anything, I can go and I can talk to him. So he has played that kind of a role for me uh, um, within that that business context. And also, um, you know, and also just as a friend, you know, he's somebody that I know I could talk to. Um, the person that I talked about in the um, in the interview that we did on the Facebook on the 904. Yes. Yeah. And Leading Ladies 904. Yeah. Yes. And uh, her name is Alexandra Merrill. And she's been a wonderful teacher, you know, um, of uh, organizational development. Um, I will say women's leadership uh personal change there's there's a lot of ways that that she has really shown up as an incredible teacher she's a brilliant um individual who i have a lot of love and respect for Mm -hmm. and her work and so uh so there are people that i've admired that i've been in connection with so i just think about mentoring a little bit differently as a matter of fact i wrote an article years ago where i really shifted the term mentoring to coaching partners Mm -hmm. because Mm. I think that in the relationships that I had, they were definitely mutual. The power felt more equal because Mm -hmm. when you're in a mentoring relationship, there's kind of like a power over relationship. Ah, And so my work has always been to really, really break that paradigm around power over. So I think that's why I, I, when I think about mentoring, it gives me a little twinge. Yvette, that's really, that's really brilliant because, yeah. you know, I tell, I tell my mentees, I'm like, just know that as I develop you, you develop me. 
Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way for them. Sure, but when you when you yeah. title something like I'm your mentor, then it's right. like exactly. I am I'm over you. I, yes. I'm over you. So part of this thing is like relanguaging ourselves, which mm-hmm. I really believe. So I write about coaching partners. So when I was in corporate America and I would um, partner with younger people, um, they were usually folks who were, um, I used to be a programmer way back in the day. So Mm -hmm. I might have, you know, met with a person who had a next iteration of programming and they wanted me to mentor them on leadership. I said, then we got to be in this together. You need to teach me coding in this way. I'll teach you stuff. I'm going to do so now we're partnering. Mm. And so it was a shared um, role in supporting each other's growth. This this is great. Yeah, I. this is so great. This is great. I, I think I might shift the language. And I'm so, you know, in the work that I do as a culture engineer, I, I my work is to really support um, uh, workspaces and, and breaking the hierarchy, right? Yes, because right. Um, it becomes really strained. Yes, I, I said to you that I wanted to come back to to to, to feedback, mm-hmm. and um, and I want to kind of mm-hmm. connect that to helping other women mm-hmm. um, and men, right? Mm-hmm facilitating and, and supporting them in writing their story. Right. Um, what's some feedback that you have that you could share with me about my draft um, and perhaps share some tangible steps so that our listeners um, can start writing their shitty draft? Well, what I would say is that for everyone, you know, with your draft and anyone else that's interested in, in writing their own story, um, You know, your first shitty draft or crappy draft is that space that can ultimately lead to um, your clarity. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. writing deeply with much detail is really uh, um, a benefit to you. So like in your writing, when you talked about your mom and you described the the funeral progression and then you talked about your siblings and, you know, as much detail as you can give that, it's so rich. And when I say detail, you know, start off telling me about, you know, the sister who lived to 50 and, you know, what, what does she teach you? So you're saying go deeper. Go deeper. Go what, deeper. And deeper looks like, what did it taste like, smell like, feel like? Five senses. Bring, like, all you know, your bring senses. Bring all your senses. What color was it? What were the funny stories, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you raised the songs, that was great. You could have just said, oh, my first dance song, but you said you know, what I, the name of the song. And I did that because of you, because you... <laughs> Did some you did some some singing and I was like yeah I'm inspired to do that too. <laughs> I always stick in a, a song you know in my mm. in my writings because it puts people in a place in time. Mm-hmm. So you know when I tell people I think I used a um, I talked about a Michael Jackson song I think in that yes, in you that did. reading I did at Yellow House <laughs> you know. Michael Jackson did a lot of songs, Mm -hmm. but when I was talking about the Jerry Curl on the Thriller album, (laughs) you know, that was Billie Jean and Pretty Young Thing. And so there was a whole look and vibe in that album that was different from, you know, his, you know, ABC. Different. Well, you, it, it's just, it's, it's really what, what I love about it was, and this is what you did for me, because you were essentially sharing some, some ways to do this as you were presenting at Yellow House was, you know, you can sing it. You can mm. just, you, you can just, it could be essay, like it could be right. poetic, right? right. Um, it, 
it brings some aliveness to it. It brought right. aliveness to it. Well, I was demonstrating the braided essay, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a form of essay writing that I've been experimenting with over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I've been fine tuning my um, essays that I'm writing for my book, um, Complicated Truths, mm-hmm. uh, Emerging as Leader of Her Whole Life. Uh, that um, that book really requires me to do a lot of weaving and braving, uh, braiding. Uh, as a matter of fact, I call it plaiting, plaits and weaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so is that available? Not yet. It Not soon yet. will be. My okay. agent wants it like yesterday, but yeah, <laughs> I'm so still. So that means, at listen, it. that means that, like you said, <laughs> that means that you got to take you got to take yourself up to the mountains in a cabin and write. Right? Let me tell you, <laughs> I, every Monday is my writing day. And so I am revising, revising my crappy drafts <laughs> every Monday. Um, do you ever think you get it right? Or do you think you will always, you will always feel the need to revise? Um, no, I, I get it to a good place. Yeah. So, you know, the revision process for me is iterative you know mm-hmm. i mean it, it, it goes deeper and deeper but it does reach a plateau when it, when it's done yeah and so um yeah some writers can get to a place where the revision is never done mm-hmm. and i'm not that bad but i'm very mindful of not shooting out something that's quick and dirty because once it's out there you can't take it back yeah yeah um Okay, so because I, I shared my my crappy draft with you, I you mm-hmm. know I told you I was a book nerd, and you've already mentioned one of my favorite favorite books, mm-hmm. Anne Lamott's um, Bird by Bird. Mm-hmm. What's another book that our listeners must read? Uh, my that, two favorite books in the whole world, in the whole world, uh, uh, right now. You know that uh-huh. always changes. You sure. know every so many decades, but I keep going back to Audre Lorde's Sister Outsider, and um, this bridge called My Back. These are like um, basic um, writings um, that, for me, articulates uh, women to the depth of my own experience. Um, it, talk about truth teller. Um, this bridge called My Back is an eclectic, and it was, I think it was in the late 70s, early 80s when that book um, uh, came out. And um, this book was so powerful because of the collection of poems, essays, speeches um, that spoke about women's power. Um, Eva, what's the title? Because I know that people... This Bridge Called My Back. This Bridge Called My Back. Morega. Morega. And I'm just trying to think of the second for Gloria. Oh, oh you know what? When I Google it, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it share on it our that. social platforms because people are always asking me, what's There's the book some... that you mentioned? So, And for me, it's um, um, these two Latinas wrote sí. the book. Latinas. And um, fantastic um, books. Yvette. Where can people? Well, you're gonna you're publishing a book very soon. Where can people find you? What can they find? What you're up to? What you're doing? Well, the easiest way to find me is on Facebook as Yvette 
Angelique Hyatter Adams. I have my whole name spelled out. Yes, there. you do, girl. Yeah, my it's writer's name is Yvette one. Angelique, and then my professional name has always been Yvette Hyatter Adams. So I spell the whole thing out. So that is the mm-hmm. best way to reach out to you to find mm-hmm. out what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, Yvette, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Listen, thank you so much for being a force in this community. Thank you for. Um, I love that you live in this community. Thank I you. really, really do. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for being a force. Thank you for being a catalyst mm-hmm. for women to uh, find their voice and um, and 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 just really talk about what's important to us and not care what anybody thinks. Like this is our story. This is our story. I mean, women. <sighs> You know, my work is really creating a pathway for women and girls to advocate for herself and her tribes. And um, to do that with the written, spoken, and visual storytelling. So um, that is the core of the work that I do in the world. uh, And I look forward to seeing, you know, every girl, every woman write her story unapologetically. Boom, mic drop, girl. Okay, so this is why I say that Jacksonville, Florida has the most extraordinary women on this planet. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending this 30 minutes with me and letting me share you with the world. Thank you for having me, Tony. You've just heard from Yvette Angelique Heider Adams. I finally figured out how to pronounce her name, and she said it's German. Um, You know, when someone says that this is their favorite books in the whole world. I have to, I have to write these down. It's like you know, I like when I leave here, I'm going, I'm going on Amazon.com and ordering these because um, it it just means that this is probably a book that's going to be on my shelf. Like it's going to be a, a book I'm going to read. I'm probably going to gift it. Um, and I've already, I've already actually Googled it. So the the bridge, this bridge called my back, um, seems like a definite. And then Sister Outsider, I will make sure that I I um I post this. Um, on the social platforms when we release this uh, this this interview with Yvette. Um, check out Narratives for Change. Um, you know, the mission is creating pathways for women and girls to advocate for herself and, and her tribes. And she does it through written, spoken, and visual storytelling. She's inspired me to write my story. And I can't tell you, I, I don't know that I would have ever I don't know that I would have ever shared what I shared today, um, let alone sing some part of it. So um, I, 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 I urge you to check out Narratives for Change. Um, check out what she's doing, um, sitting at Yellow House and listening to her story and, um, and her giving us tips on how to write our, our own powerful stories really gave me the courage and and the um I have to tell you I was excited but I was also feeling a little bit vulnerable and um a little nervous to share so I'm looking forward to hearing what your story is when I complete mine when I I I when I'm ready to release the final uh, version. I am going to share it on my social platforms. You can reach me. Facebook is Tony Hernandez. Actually, Instagram is Tony Hernandez Brown and Twitter, Phila Tony. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for listening to What's Your Extraordinary. 
Please like, rate, and comment. It's tremendously helpful and helps new listeners find the podcast. I'd also love to hear from you. So tell me what's your extraordinary. You can connect with me on Instagram at Tony Hernandez Brown, Facebook Tony Hernandez, and Twitter, Phila Tony, as in Philadelphia, Phila Tony. Shout out to my girl, Jesse Kyle, Sean Kyle, and Louis Rieger for the dope track. This podcast is produced by my rock star, badass producer, Tim Driscoll, and part of the Essential Culture Podcast Network. For more episodes and other great shows, look for the Essential Culture Podcast Network on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast.